about the faith news. Man, wasn't that awesome? Man, that was awesome. Uh, we are uh, moving on with our series. And today we're going to be talking about, last week we did not actually finish what we were talking about. The offerings, which we will probably postpone to next week. But I had on my schedule to talk about the tithe today. Amen. So today we're going to be talking about uh, the tithe. Now, a lot of people, once they hear the word tithe, they're up on their guard and, you know, there they go again. But today I want to invite you to look into scripture with me with an open mind and an open heart so you can hear what God's intention is concerning the tithe. Amen? I said amen. Amen. The tithe basically means a tenth. Amen? And uh, uh, for us to do this, we are going to go now to the book of Genesis. But before we do that, hold your Bible, lift it up real high. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. So, uh, we're going to use what is called the principle of first mention. So we want to go into scripture. One of the things you can do when you're studying scripture is to use what is called the principle of first mention, where you go to the first time a principle was mentioned in the Bible and study it for the rest of the Bible. Amen? It will actually explain what God's intention or original intent concerning that thing was. Amen? So let us go now to the first place the tithe or the word tithe was ever mentioned, which is Genesis chapter number 14, and I'm going to read from verse 13. Genesis chapter number 14, I will be reading from verse 13. Man, I'm excited because this is the power to change your financial outlook. Amen. 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 Genesis 14, I'm going to read from verse 13. Now, just a brief background. You remember the story of Abraham and Lot when God told Abraham to leave his father's house and go to a land that God was going to show him. He decided he was going to take Lot, his nephew, with him. And when they went, the Bible says their flocks grew, their herds grew so much that their servants began quarreling about pasture, about where to feed them. And, you know, Abraham stood there and he said to Lot, Hey, Lot, I want you to make the first move. Where, whichever place you choose, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. And then Lot stood there and he used his senses. And he chose the place that had all the rain, all the pasture. And it looked like it was the great place or the greatest place of the two. And he went and submitted himself uh, into a place called uh, Sodom. And he submitted himself to the system of Sodom and submitted himself to the king of the place called Sodom, of the economy called Sodom. Now, it came to pass that after a few years of submitting himself, there was uh, the king of Sodom partnered with three other nations uh, so that they could, you know, be strong and uh, be a formidable army. And there was another, you know, four-nation alliance that came against them and plundered everything and took everything that belonged 
to Lot. And this is where we are starting to read this morning. Then the one who had escaped from this war went and told Abram. I know the Bible says Abraham, Abram, but I may say Abraham because I'm too used to that. Okay, just forgive me and follow along. He told Abram or Abraham, the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the Terebath trees of Mamrek, the Amorite, the brother of Esco, and the brother of Anna. And they were allies with Abraham. Now when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants. Now, he only has 318 trained servants against an army of four nations. So he went and he called them out. Who were born in his own house. He, 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 I mean, dude had a big house. And he went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his force against them by night. And he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all. Someone say all. all. Say it one more time. All. Say two more times. <laughs> he said he brought all the goods also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. After his return from the defeat of Chedolama and the kings who were with him. Now we go to verse 18. Verse 18 is what I like to call the tale of two kings. Or the tale of two authorities. Or the tale of two kingdoms. So as soon as Abraham went and recovered everything, as he was coming back to his kingdom, he was met with two kings. First up was the king called Meshuzedek. And then Meshuzedek, in verse 18, also known as king of Salem. That word Salem means peace. Amen? Which also means prosperity. Which also means Jerusalem. That's where we get the word Jerusalem from. Salem. So he was met with uh, the king of Salem. And he brought out bread and wine. You remember communion? Prophetically. He was doing something interesting here. He was the priest of God, the most high God. And he blessed him and said. Now, Meshuzedek is known as Epiphany. He is known as uh, uh, Jesus himself. Uh, Pre-incarnate. Jesus himself appearing before he appeared in the New Testament. So Abraham was literally met by Jesus. And Jesus came on the scene. And here's what he said. Uh, this priest, this king of Salem, who does not have a mother or a father or no lineage. He said, blessed be Abraham of God the Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed... Be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And then Abraham, and Abraham gave him a what? I didn't hear that. He gave him a tenth of all. Now I want you to see something here. When the king of Salem came on the scene, the first thing he did was pronounce a blessing over Abraham. He didn't wait for Abraham to give him a tithe before he pronounced a blessing. In other words, God has already blessed you. Amen. Your tithe is not going to make God bless you. God has already blessed you. And you will see why. The first thing he said, he said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God. 
in other words, he's saying, blessed be Abraham, who has submitted himself to the highest authority ever. Contrasting Lot, who had submitted himself to a king of Sodom. And there is a difference between the Most High God and the King of Sodom. <laughs> Amen? Because the Most High God is the highest authority in the whole of the universe. And if you submit yourself to Him, there is no chance of a four-alliance army coming and plundering everything that you own. You know why? Because He has the biggest army in the whole universe. And the second thing He says is that God is the possessor of the heavens and the earth. Blessed be God, be Abraham of the Most High God, capital letter P, the possessor of the heavens and the earth. God owns everything. Yeah. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. And this is the mindset you need to have if you are going to understand the principle of tithing. You need to understand that the Bible says in Psalm 24 verse 1, uh, the earth is the Lord's. And the what? And the fullness therein, or all of them that dwell therein, and everything that is in it. Hallelujah. Some of you don't believe it. Let's read Psalm 24, verse 1. Some of you think, no, Pastor G, this is mine. It's my car. Well, the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness therein. Watch what it says. It says, the earth is the Lord's, and it's all its fullness. The world and those who dwell therein. Please give me in the New Living Translation. Thank you, Jesus. He says the earth is the Lord's and how many? I didn't hear that. How much is left out of everything? That means God owns everything. And in the proclamation of the blessing, there are hidden revelations in there. He's saying not only is God the most high God, he's also the possessor of heaven and earth. He's also the possessor of everything. So everything that you own belongs to God. Do you believe that? And the third thing he says is that not only does, uh, is God the most high God and the possessor of heaven and earth, he is the one who has delivered the enemies into your hands. In other words, Abraham, you could not have done it in your own strength. Yeah. Hallelujah. And man, in this church, we have extremely gifted people. We have people that are lawyers. We have people that are engineers. We have people that are in the marketplace doing great stuff. We have, I mean, that faith news was amazing. We have people that are creatives. We have doctors. We have, you know, uh, pharmacists. We have... People that are extremely gifted. But let me tell you this. It would be ridiculous for you to think that you are awesome because of your own strength. Yeah. It is God who has delivered your enemies into your hands. The difference between someone who is uh, normal and someone who is totally retarded is a tiny, someone say tiny, a tiny chemical imbalance. And for God, for you, to realize that it is God who has given me all of the things. Watch what he says. He says, blessed be God the Ab of Abraham, the Most High, the possessor of the heaven and the earth. The blessed be God the Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And Abraham took a chance. I acknowledge that. That's what he's saying. See, when you take a portion of what you have, you are acknowledging these three principles according to the principle of first mention. You are saying, 
I acknowledge that I'm submitted to your system. You are the God, the most higher God. Secondly, I acknowledge that you own everything, including my paycheck. Thirdly, I acknowledge that it is because of you and what you have released on my life that I'm able to do what I do. You take a tenth and you give it to God in acknowledgement of all the three things that, you know, Meshuzadek pronounced over Abraham. Amen? As if that was enough. The king of Sodom came also because he wanted to offer his deal. And watch what happened. Verse... Uh, Verse 21. Now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, give me the persons. Now the king of Salem came and said, blessed. The king of Sodom came and said, give me. That's the difference between the two systems. Man, you submitting yourself to the worldly system, you thinking you're, you're going to be blessed from the world. No, the enemy comes to do three things. To steal, to kill, and he's coming to take. The first thing he says is, give me. Wow. <laughs> the first thing the king of Salem said is, man, blessed. He says, give me, give me the, the, the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God, most high, and he begins to re-esse the same thing. Listen, now I know who God is. He's the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. I'm submitted to his system, and I've raised my hand as a commitment to his system that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap or a shoeless. I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich, except only what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me. Anna, Esco, Mamre, let them take their portion. But I'm not participating in any of this. You know why? Because I'm submitted to the system of God. And watch what happens in the next chapter. After Abraham made this proclamation and he stood his ground, that he was submitted. This is basically, these two kings are basically uh, 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 a graphic uh, picture of what we taught three weeks ago. God and Mammon. What's it going to be? And here's what's interesting about Mammon. Mammon likes to deal with what's there. He likes to deal with the physical stuff. He likes to deal with the money that's there. And the deception is for you to think, okay, at least Mammon is offering me something that's here. Because Mammon came and said, okay, let's make a deal with what's here. The people and the money. The money is here. And the temptation is not for you. It's for you to not realize what God has already done. Mammon always promises you something in the future. God has already given it in the past. See, so God does not wait for you to tithe and then bless you. God has already blessed you. And your tithe is, a, is an acknowledgement that God has already blessed me and I know it. And when you do that, God gets excited and he wants to take it to the next level. Watch what he said. After this, someone say after this. <laughs> after making a commitment, which system you are going to fall under? After rejecting mammon, and all he has to offer, you know, the love of money, and so on and so forth. After committing yourself to the system of God, watch what happened. The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, and God said, Do not be afraid, Abraham, I am your shield. 
I am your very great reward. If you're reading in the New King James Bible, I think it says, your exceedingly great reward. Give it to me in the New King James. New King James Bible. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But it had to be after Abraham committed himself to God's system. Amen? I said, Amen. (laughs) How do you do that? You take a tenth of what you have and give it to God as an acknowledgement of three things. Number one, that God is the most high God. Number two, that He owns everything. Even what I'm giving Him already belongs to Him. And the third thing, hey, God is the one who is making me win in the marketplace. He's already delivered. My enemies into my hands. Because honestly, with 318 men, I could not have defeated a four alliance nation, an army coming against us. Amen? Let's go to Hebrews and see uh, what the writer of Hebrews has to say about all of this. Hebrews chapter number 7. Hebrews chapter number 7. In the New King James Bible. Watch what it says. It says, For this Melchizedek, The king of Salem. Can you see it? The priest of the most high God. He keeps saying this phrase, most high God. He's making a point. Amen? (laughs) Because no one is higher than him. The priest of the most high God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Next verse. To whom Abraham gave a what? That's what a tithe is. A tithe is a tenth of everything. He says, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. That's a tithe. First being translated king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem, king of peace. Meaning king of peace. Next verse. Without a father, without a mother, without genealogy, Having neither beginning of days, nor end of life, but made like the Son of God. Who might this be talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Abraham was met with Jesus. He was met by Jesus. So Pastor T, I hear what you're talking about. I want to give a tithe, but I also want to give it to Jesus. Well, he will answer you. You can also meet Jesus, and he tells you how. In the same chapter, all you have to do is keep reading. Remains a priest. How many? Continually. So Jesus is still the high priest today. Next verse. Now consider how great this man was. To whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. Next verse. And indeed, those who are the sons of Levi, who received the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law. That is from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. Next verse. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promise. Every time uh, you give a tithe, you receive a blessing. There's a, there's a correspondence action. As you acknowledge, God is, a, is, is pouring more to you. You know why? Because your heart is in the right place. Your heart is not in the stuff. 
Your heart is still submitted to God, the Most High God, the possessor of the heaven and the earth, the one who is making you win. Next verse. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Jesus is the one who blesses us because we are the lesser. Next verse. Here. Someone say here. Here. Where, where, where might be here? Geographically where? Here on earth. And timely where? When the Apostle Paul was writing this letter. Question. Was that in the Old Testament or the New Testament? New Testament. Come on, preach with me. So, the Apostle Paul is standing in the New Testament and he says, Here, Lapa. <laughs> is that the right one? Yeah. Here. He says, Here, mortal men do what? Oh, so at the time the Apostle Paul was writing this letter, there were mortal men receiving what? Come on, come on, preach with me, church. Hey, Pastor T, I don't think we should receive tithes in the New Testament. He just answered you. Here, mortal men receive tithes. But what does that mean? He's saying there's a corresponding action. I want you to pay attention. Here, mortal men receive tithes, but there, he receives them. Who? Melchizedek. So what he's saying is, when you bring your tithes to mortal men, there's a corresponding action happening in heaven where he is also receiving them. Here mortal men receive, but there he also receives, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. He's talking about Jesus. Next verse. Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. So he's saying this principle has been in existence forever. Amen. And, and, and here's something else I may have to say. Abraham paid tithes about close to 400, between 400 and 800 years before the law came. He didn't wait for thou shall pay tithes for him to pay a tithe. Hallelujah. So this answers the question and it puts it to bed to, to rest that, hey, the New Testament saints should also take a portion of what they have and acknowledge God as their source. Amen. And that portion is specified. What is it? Ten? I didn't hear that. Come on, preach with me. It says 10%. Now, Pastor T, do I have to pay a tithe? No, you don't. Well, you're just preaching that I have to know. In the New Testament uh, church, under the New Testament covenant, we don't live by do's and don'ts. Yeah. Hallelujah. Man, if your, if your motivation for paying a tithe is because the law says, then keep it. Because yeah. it's the wrong motivation. Yeah. But if your motivation is to acknowledge God as the one who has made you productive in the marketplace, then go ahead and pay a tithe because it's the right motivation. If your motivation is fear, keep your money because it's not going to do you any good. Amen. Man, I'm trying to help you. So that when you give your tithe next month, you get a harvest out of it. You have, you have an expectant heart. You know what to expect from it. You know what? You, you don't have to do anything. I always say this, you know, when I'm talking to people, and most people come, to, come at me, you know, arguing against tithes to protect their own, you know, selfish and, and greed attitude. 
Just a greedy attitude. Man, if, if, if that's your disposition, come on, don't do it. Keep 100%. But if you want to understand what the scripture has to say about this, and receive the revelation, when you're doing it, you're doing it because you know exactly what that means. Amen? Let's go to Malachi, chapter number 3. Is this making sense so far? Man, paying a tithe and teachings about prayer, it's like brushing teeth. Pastor T, do I have to brush my teeth? No, you don't. But if you see benefits in it, you can go ahead and do what? Literally, you don't have to do anything. Do you know that? You don't have to do anything. That's the thing with the New Testament uh, church. You don't have to do anything. God doesn't say do or don't, you know. He says, man, this is what you will get out of it. And then if you respond by faith, guess what? Guess what? You access the grace that he promises. Malachi, chapter number 3, from verse 8 to 12. And I'm going to preach it from a different perspective. When I used to go to a church where uh, uh, the uh, pastor would get up and preach Malachi 3, oh man, it was full of condemnation. In fact, the first time I ever paid a tithe was out of fear. It was because I was scared. Because they didn't read it in the proper context. When you read it wearing the glasses of grace, you will see the goodness of God in Malachi 3. God is not complaining. God is trying to help Israel. He's trying to help the church. Amen? He's trying to partner with the church. I mean, he came and he told us, you are cursed with a curse. You people, you are cursed. And he, he came, the, the preacher, you get up and say, even if you don't pay the tithe, God will make sure you get that tithe through doctor's bills or through your tires or through your car breaking down. Yeah. Yeah. So even if you don't give it to him, he's still going to take it. I mean, that was a wrong perspective of teaching the principle of tithe. Because that's not the heart of God. Amen. I think it was uh, a brother, Tinasha, who taught it so well. And, and I hadn't even seen it from that perspective. When God says in Malachi chapter number 3 verse 8, Will you rob? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say in what have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. He's not saying you've robbed me of the money. Because he owns everything. He's the possessor of what? Heaven and earth. How much money does God have? All of the money. So when he says you've robbed me, he's not saying, man, you're taking money away from me. He's saying you're stealing an opportunity for me to give you more. And that's how you read it from a grace context. Man, we used to think God is saying, man, we're stealing from him. No, you're not. He owns everything. The only thing you are stealing from him is an opportunity to bless you. Because when you function in a place of holding everything, you're functioning in a place of doubt. Because let's face it, what you're saying is, this is all I'll ever have. So I need to keep all of it. So what you are robbing God is an opportunity to bless you. Because that's what he says. He says, try me. Verse 9, you are cursed with a curse. That's for an Old Testament saying. You are not cursed. Let me help you with that. So your motivation is not the fear of the curse. Why? Because Jesus took care of the curse. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. So you and I are blessed. So we don't have to fear the curse when we bring our tithes. 
I know there's still a majority in the body of Christ who bring their tithes because they are afraid of the curse. And that's terrible motivation. In fact, when I, used, when I was motivated by the curse uh, to, to give tithes, I used to be so fearful about the tithe, but I used to also be so, uh, you know, just terrible attitude. Like, you know, God, you say you want a tenth, and you want, you know, I won't have the curse. Okay, let's, let's do it like this. I'm going to give you to the penny. So I'll give God to the comma 53 cents. Because I'm saying to God, God, I don't want to rob you. But I also don't want you to rob me. So it was a bad attitude. Amen? Oh, man. When I understood the real meaning of tithe, these days I round it up. Up? Is that how you did? Not round it down. I round it up by about a thousand. Because I understand, hey, God is not trying to take away from me. He's trying to get it to me. Watch what he says. Ah, you are cursed with a curse. Not us, because we are New Testament believers. Uh, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Here's another thing that he tells you. He's giving you an instruction. Because this is how it works. He says, bring all your tithes into the storehouse, like Brother Henry was saying, so we can have the opportunity to feed the sheep. So the storehouse is the local church. The storehouse is the place where spiritual food is being served Amen. to the community. Amen. Amen. And he's saying, I want you to bring all the uh, tithes into the storehouse so that they can serve spiritual food. Hallelujah. Amen. Effectively. Because he knows the gospel is free, but it takes money to publish it. Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. <laughs> Just this uh, coming week, uh, uh, Denzel Velo and the team are going to be going to Durban to plant a church that preaches grace and faith. Guess what? It takes money to do that. And God says, for you to be able to disseminate spiritual food, I want everybody to bring their tithes into the storehouse. So, it's not in your place to decide what you do with your tithe. Because he already gave you an instruction. He's already to Brooke Sherith. All you have to do is follow the instruction. Now, sometimes we get too clever. You know, Pastor T, I'm going to tithe, but I'm going to take 2% and give to that guy there. No, he said the tithe is so that they may be spiritual food. So that they may be food in my house. He's making a point. And watch what he says in uh, verse 10. Bring all the uh, tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. And see, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, if you understand the principle of tithe, after Abraham was told you, I'm now your exceedingly great reward, he passed on the same principle to Isaac. He passed it on to Jacob. In fact, Isaac grew so wealthy that he became uh, more rich than the GDP of a nation. And they said, get away from us, for you have become mightier than us. And Jacob, the same principle was transferred to Jacob. And Jacob as a tither, he, he declared that, you know, everything you give me, God, I'll give 10% of it. At work, things started to work. 
Until his boss Laban came and said, you know what? I know that I'm blessed because of you. Today, I want to offer you to name your wages. And Jacob said, man, I don't want to name my wages. I want shareholding. You remember the story? And he says, I'm going to take the sprinkled and spotted animals. And what happened? The day he declared that, the sprinkled and spotted animals started to grow. You know why? Because his blessing was not in the scientific methods of reproduction. It was in the spiritual methods of prospering. So God is not trying to take away from you. He is trying to get it to you. He says, try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. Pour you out such a blessing that they will, be not, they will not be room enough to receive it. Verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine... Fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations, all the nations shall call you what? You know, I was saying to my wife, it's interesting that everywhere I travel, everywhere I go, it doesn't matter where I am. And sometimes I'm in nations that are more prosperous than our nation. Sometimes I'm with people that are more prosperous than myself based on their balance sheet and their income statement. But guess what? Every time I spend time with them, they always look at me and they say, man, you are blessed. Because at the end of the day, it's not what I have in my bank account. It's who I'm connected to. It's the system that I'm submitted to. I choose to be submitted to the king of Salem, not the king of Sodom. Because if you're submitted to the king of Sodom, what happened in the end to Sodom and Gomorrah? You know, Lot grew. Lot was prosperous. He had a lot of cash in Sodom and Gomorrah. But it was in the bank of Sodom. (laughs) Amen. It was not in the bank of God. Remember, you can store up treasure in heaven or in the bank of the earth. His treasure was in the bank of Sodom. Lots of it, though. I mean, that dude had cash. And what happened when Sodom and Gomorrah went down? Only what you can carry out is what's going with you. Because the system, the trust was in the wrong system. So the tithe gives us an opportunity to declare our trust in God's system. What did Jesus have to say about this? Let's go to Matthew chapter number 23, verse 23. It says, all the nations will call you blessed, man. Someone shout, I am blessed. I am blessed. He said, for you will be a delightful land. Matthew chapter number 23, verse 23, in the New King James Bible. Uh, This is Jesus speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees. Just look up. I want you to see this. He says, War to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. Is Is that how you read that? He says, and cumin. And you have neglected the what? The weightier matters of the law, which are what? Justice, mercy, and faith. So first thing I want you to get from this scripture is that tithing is a lightweight matter in the kingdom. We shouldn't even be having a series about it. Because it shouldn't even be an issue. 
born again, get born again today, you are a tither. It should be that easy. We should be spending more time on justice, mercy, and faith. But you know what? We are so far, when it comes to the things of God, we have to have a series on time. On lightweight matters. Because there are still some people who just want to defend their stingy positions using the Bible. Listen, I don't mind you saying a tithe is not a New Testament principle and you give way above 10%. Not a tithe is not a New Testament and then you're defending, hoarding and being greedy. That's not a kingdom spirit. Generosity is a kingdom spirit. Amen. We're spending so much time on the lightier matters. Instead of the weightier matters, which are what? Justice, mercy, and faith. And then what did Jesus say? He says, these you ought to have done. What are these? The first one. You ought to have tithed without leaving the others undone. Some of you don't think he really said that. Give it to me in the New Living Translation. Go back, go back. Give it to me in the New Living Translation. And I want this one. This one, I want us to read it together and then we'll close the service. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. Wait, is this Jesus speaking? Yes. This is not Pastor T? It's not Faith in Church? You sure? Okay, let's keep reading. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, which are justice, mercy, and faith. Now, read those three words. In fact, four words. You should should tithe, yes. Come on, read it one more time. You should tithe, yes. Is that Jesus speaking? Yes. Is Jesus in the Old or the New Testament? Let's read it one more time. You should tithe, yes. Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? You don't have to listen to Pastor T. But if Jesus says it, you better listen. What did Jesus say? Those four words. You should tie. Yes. I think this, this rests the issue to bed. If you still want to discuss it further than this, well, the Bible says we should not entertain quarrel and we're not going to entertain you. We're just going to go ahead and do what we need to do. Because Jesus, the master, is saying, not Pastor T. Not the elders at Faith Hill Church. Jesus said, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the what? The more important. Oh, so tithing is not even important. It's not even that important. It should just be treated. It's a lightweight issue. It shouldn't even. But you know why? Because our hearts are so consumed in in the materialistic world, in in the mammonic world, man, tithing is like a burden. He said, man, it shouldn't even be an issue. You know why? It's a lightweight issue. Why? Because I'm trying to get the money to you. The issue is not you bringing stuff to me. The issue is opening up a channel so I can get it to you. Was that awesome? Man, I'd rather live under an open heaven with 90%. That is the potential to tap into a hundredfold. I've tried living my life as a tither and as an untither. And I can tell you, I'm enjoying it as a tither. 
Oh, man, I'm loving it as a tither. Because money just comes from someone. The other day, you know, we were driving from uh, uh, getting a haircut with uh, Denzel. And I said, man, I feel like having KFC today. And then we walked in to get KFC. Man, the, the, the tailor, the, the lady at the counter, she couldn't believe. Man, I'm trying to pay this bill. And Denzel's like, no, take my card. And I'm, no, take my money. Take my card. Take my money. I think we went back and forth for about 10 times. And then she was like, what is, what is it going to be? And I was like, okay, take care of it. Guess what? I just got KFC for free. How many of you last week got KFC for free? You don't think it's a huge breakthrough? Well, let's see by a show of hands. How many of you got KFC last Man, I'm living under an open heaven. Even KFC is responding. And that's about 50 rand I just put away and, you know, keep it somewhere there. Turn it into coins when I'm pulling out of the parking lot. You know, one of those guys that, you know, five runs. <laughs> but some of you can't do that. You know why? Because you have nobody buying you lunch. So when those guys pull you out, man, you are on empty. You know there are no coins in the car, and you just pretend like, ah. Amen. You know, you know, there's nothing going on. There's no open heaven. There's no open heaven, man. I'm telling you, when you start tapping into these principles, things will find you. And then you start cooperating with God. He gives you more. You take 10%. And here's the thing. Someone once came to me a few years ago. He says, how do I start? I said, start where you are. Don't try to, you know, give a hundred million. Just start where you are. With a thousand rand, you take a hundred rand, give it. With a hundred rand, take ten rand and give it. And as that income grows, guess what? You're tapping into God's economic system. And next month is going to be 3.5. You take 350 rand and give it to him. And offerings and partnering. We're going to be talking about partnership next week. And offerings and partnership on top of that. Next month is going to be 5,000. Next month is going to be 6,000. It's going to grow because as you tap into that system, it's called tapping into the economy of heaven. As you tap into the economy of heaven, open up your heart and start trusting God with your finances. He will bring you an abundance. But you have to catch this revelation and give it motivated by love, knowing that it is God who has given you everything that you own. Amen? The Bible says if we are to give our bodies as a burnt offering and we do not do it motivated by love, it profits us nothing. And I know some of you were already tithers, but your motivation may have been wrong. If you were being motivated by fear, the fear of the curse, that's the wrong motivation. Start changing your motivation to being motivation by love and seeing what God is doing in the earth realm. Wanting to see more spiritual food uh, served in the house of the Lord. Partnering with God. Start getting a different motivation. And as you do that, I can guarantee you, God will bring you a harvest. Amen? Why don't you stand on your feet? Was that good? Thank you, Jesus.